Hello and welcome to the 808 show. It's uh, Friday night and I'm actually just driving on a dirt road with one of my really good friends and we're just thinking about life. Yeah. And so if you're just joining the show now, that's really all we're going to do in this show. We're going to think about life. We're going to think about facts. We're going to think about feelings. We're going to think about theology, music, literally anything you can think of under the sun. It's here. So jump on for a listen. If you don't like it, that's fine. If you do, then stay along for the ride, and I hope you enjoy what we talk about. So today, I we don't really have much of an agenda, but I mean, we are sitting here out in God's beautiful creation, just driving along a bumpy dirt road, and I'm just kind of thinking to myself, like, how could this have come up with a chance? I mean, like, you look at the beautiful earth, you look at the beautiful rocks, the trees, how when a bunch of ice gets on a branch and then it melts it falls the branch falls and it's like how on earth could that all have come by chance could a complex universe that's complex from the largest galaxies to the smallest molecules how could that all have come from a bunch of like planets and rocks hitting each other and creating one planet like how could that all have happened what do you think josh no i totally agree it's it's something i kind of think about a lot there's there's a lot of uh, mathematics and almost like pre-programming involved in the reality that we live in, and it's it's like it's like it's it's based on all these rules that are consistent, but somehow allow enough variant that you can have something like ice on a tree, and then the way it freezes and crystallizes, and then it's got air bubbles, and it looks really cool. You know, it's like the complexity and just having something like that, and then when it melts and falls, it's like the amount of thought that must have gone into something like that. And it sounds stupid because, like, from an atheistic perspective, it would just be, oh, you know, these things just happen by chance. Or at least a naturalistic atheistic perspective, where there's no influence of God whatsoever and uh, no existence of God whatsoever. It's very it's true, of, yeah. Yeah, I- it's, it's almost like we perceive things as beautiful just because that's the way we've grown up to accept it as. Exactly. Not because it's, like, inherently amazing or fun. It's just, it's cool to look at. Yeah, and that's kind of the way that we would have to look at life if we were an atheist or a naturalistic atheist. Because at the end of the day, what is life if you have no point to living? I mean, in reality, life without God and without a master creator who, like you said, created all these amazing scientific processes that dictate how nature performs and why ice freezes the way it does. And it allows enough of a variance that it's still beautiful and distinct, but it's still, you can see an orderly pattern and a loving God created all this for our enjoyment and for his glory. And so if you don't have that opinion while you're looking at creation, then all it is is a bunch of atoms that are flowing together, and you have your 60 years, your 70 years, you look at what's happening, you look at the earth, you look at how it's created, and you say, oh, well, this is, you know, science, this is what has been created through millions of years of processes and slowly getting better at evolution. And that's really all you see. You don't see beauty. You don't see intricacy. You don't You don't see a point to this all. You don't see, well, this is all created because of God's glory. You see this as, well, this is all created as, you know, science. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's no, like, profound dimension to existence other than what we make out of it. And it's it's kind of, I don't want to say, like, a depressing, well, it kind of is a depressing way of looking at it, right? 
It really is. There's no purpose, and everything when it comes down to it is just the result of randomness. And so, like, there's 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 really not much more beauty than what we decide is beautiful or everything looks good, you know? Um, yeah, like, beauty is really just subjective in that kind of sense of being, right? Because you can't actually say something's beautiful, and you can't actually say something is, you know, majestic and, and means something. Because in reality, there is no meaning. Your, your life is an endless spiral that goes on from one person to the next person to the next person. And you've no point to provide for your children. You've no point to do anything, really. Because when you die, that's the end. Yep. Your little footprint is gone as soon as the water comes and washes it away, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's inspiring and, and, and amazing that we have the privilege to know about this awesome God who not only created everything but told us the story so that we can enjoy it today and we can perceive his glory through all these things and we can also perceive his glory through the love letter that he wrote us in the Bible I mean you think of so many amazing passages that depict his glory in creation and also depict his glory in the actions he's done for us so I think there's so many different things in life that are just inspiring if you have God in the picture. Um, And, I mean, I was just thinking the other day about how crazy it is that you really can't find the end of the universe. You can go either way. You can go big or you can go small. So people have tried to, you know, find the end of the universe through the, the Hubble telescope or different large devices that are used to magnify things. And... At the end of the day, what do they find? They just find endless planets, sea after sea of planets, and they've actually mapped them out, and they've found a certain amount of order to them, so that it's almost like a grid, almost like ring after ring of planets surrounding each other, and it's almost like this big diagrid of space just goes on and on forever, and it doesn't stop. And so, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was, I was just going to add, it, it makes you wonder if it even can stop because like in a sense there is no such thing as a beginning or end mathematically right right the like zero is kind of like the closest thing we have to something being finite in terms of like it has no smaller or no bigger that it can go but like it, it almost seems like the more they do look into the universe when scientists observe things at a microscopic or like a telescopic level that it just keeps keep, keeps on going. And it, it, it's almost like it's out of necessity to some degree that it, it keeps on revealing itself to have more components the, the more you look at it. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it is weird, but at the same time, it's, it's fascinating because, I mean, if you think about God, right? Yeah. He doesn't have a beginning or an end. Yeah. And so that's really the only reason why nothing else has a beginning or an end. Like, if you look at eternity, there's no beginning, there's no end to time. We only know a certain amount of it. But that doesn't mean that the rest isn't there. I mean, like, as you were saying about numbers, I mean, even we know that numbers can go infinitely in one direction or the other. That's why when you learn in pre-calculus, when you learn about lines, you have to write a little, like, extending uh, arrow on each line to show that it goes on forever. Um, Because you really don't know how far it's going to go. It could go on forever. So that kind of depicts God, because he really never ends, and he kind of created the creation almost a bit like that. Like, we don't know if the universe ends or not, but we do know is that it doesn't seem to, from what we can tell. And we've advanced technology pretty far 
to the point where we can see a lot more than people could in the past. And we still can't find an end to it with our great men of the age. Still can't find an end to things. And the other way you can go is to the microscopic level. And you go down there to the smallest atom, the subparticles, the you know, the the proton, the neutron, the electron, and, you know, the quark theory. I think, is it called quark theory? Yeah, I think Yeah, so. quark theory. Um, and those small little quarks rotating around the small particles inside the atom. It's like, you really can't find an end to it because we can't even prove quark theory yet. Yeah. But we kind of know it couldn't be any other way. But, yeah. like, is there, what if there is something inside a quark? Like, what if there is quarks revolving around inside quarks like you just really can't find an end to the universe whether you go big or small and so that kind of gives us almost a sense of security even though it's weird and it's fascinating it's like wait what's out there but at the same time it also gives us a sense of security because it's like well if god made such a huge earth it's such a huge universe and, and things that go down to the smallest levels and he designed all that how much more does he have a plan for me? He he promises us in his word, um, and we know that his promises are true because he tells us they're true and faithful. Um, we see in his word that he has promises um, that he will take care of us, and those who you know love God, everything will work together for good to them. So if that's true, we know that the large God who's created all this stuff still has enough power in him to care for us and that's just amazing to think about because he's taken time out of his it's kind of not really the right phrase but i'm just going to say busy day to you know think about us humans and to take care of us and i think that's pretty special totally i think the kind of the magnitude of the universe is what kind of keeps that in perspective and almost humbling and kind of what you said about like taking the time not that, not that he's like got this allocation of time to give. I think, I think, God exists outside of time, and so it's almost like the thought put into making humankind is the almost the the amazing part. Um, right. Because the way it seems, at least, is that it was quite intentional. You know, because you have these animals that people try and justify as having evolved, and then you have these humans with like this spark of consciousness that you can only sort of relate back to being divine somehow. Right. The way that we create things and think outside the box and can conceptualize things like love and um, all these human traits that don't really seem to reflect necessarily in the animal kingdom. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's a weird contrast that a lot of people see as paradoxical, this idea that we have uh, an infinite God that's able to conceptualize finite people and finite existence and create something like the earth with people on it that is, uh, uh, you know, within the confines of math, essentially, right? It it exists inside time and it's constrained and it's designed by math. Um, Yeah, and... comes down to it. Exactly, exactly. And and I think uh, kind of drawing ourselves back a little bit, it really there's so many things in life that are paradoxes because... Like, how can a good, you know, God create an earth where there's sin in it? I mean, we've had many discussions about that in the past, and I think that's something we'll never really know, because there's a paradox there. A good, perfect God who cannot do evil still 
creates this world where there is potential for evil. And that's just one of them. I mean, there's there's also the one where, you know, how on earth does it make sense that a loving but just God could send his only son to die? Like, how can God die? How can, a, how can one of the Trinity, one of the persons of the Trinity die? And, and how can he still be God but suffer like a man? You know, it's, it's like the whole man and God um, character of Jesus is really a paradox that we'll never quite understand. I mean, the best we can do is, is kind of explain it similar to how we would explain the Trinity for, you know, us finite minds down here is we would say, oh, well, this is a hand. It is five fingers in the hand, in which in the tr- case of the Trinity, it would be three fingers in the hand, but they make up the hand. Individually, they aren't, you know, the hand, but altogether, they are the hand. Um, and I, I would I would say that's not a very perfect example because each of the Trinity is still God, even though they're individuals. But I think you can see where I'm going with this, where we're saying these are all little parts of, you know, the hand, but they also are the hand. So in that case of the Trinity and in the case of Jesus' God and man paradox, it's like you, we, we never know, will fully know because we are human and God is a whole other dimension. Like you said, God exists outside of time. He exists outside of space. He exists outside of anything we know and we can fathom. So in some ways, we just have to trust him in those paradoxes because we will never fully know. And, and God even says that he hasn't revealed everything to us. Like some things we won't see. And, and I, I know like Paul, Paul says, then I saw through a glass darkly, but now face to face. And, and while that can depict the Christian journey, that can also depict how we see God's things. Yeah, I think, I think to some degree it's, there's definitely aspects that we can't fully comprehend because the, the human mind just isn't capable of it, at least not in like the, the conscious reasoning state. I don't think it's capable of understanding it fully. Right. Even, even just visualizing some of the concepts of divinity are just almost impossible. But I think to some degree it can be rationalized, or at least like you're saying with the hand idea, likened to what we see around us. Um, when it comes to... Uh, you know the paradox of the Trinity. It's if if you do have this thing that exists outside of time, this thing that is able to conceptualize quantum uh, existence, where you can have something existing in multiple states at once, then it's not really a surprise that you could have a being that could have multiple consciousnesses existing inside of one or different. Not phases, like it, not like God has to switch out mass, but be existing in multiple threads at once, and still be the same being with the same nature and the same uh, personality. If, if that makes any sense. That does make sense, and I think like it's tying on to that. Like we, you're right. We can, we can to a certain extent, kind of fathom the logic of how you know there could be the Trinity and, and things like that. I think you're right, like, there's aspects of it <clears throat> that we'll never fully understand as humans, but I think God has given us enough information in the Bible to kind of map out where, you know, where we can't fully see, we can still make a map. Like, we can still kind of make points and say, well, we think, you know, this is what happens. We don't know all this, but we can take what God has given us and we can exegete 
and we can say, oh, well, this is what we can take from the word. Exactly. So it's like the yeah. The you can have all this information. Um, how do how do I, how would I put it? It's it's like a kid with a bunch of Lego blocks or something. There's the potential to build so many things, but there's mm. a guideline of how to how to use it, right? Right. And with reality, there's so many components to reality that you can draw so many conclusions from. And the Bible kind of condenses that and makes it into a defined um, story or a defined narrative that you can actually kind of relate back to what you see around you and draw a sense out of it, you know what I mean? Because otherwise, kind of like we were talking about with the atheistic perspective, otherwise it is just chaos that somehow is organized. But the biblical perspective is there's an organizer and it, it explains kind of how that works a bit. Yeah, it's a bit of a map. I mean... We, we can call it a love letter, we can call many things, but I think the Bible is a map, and, and it's really a way of explaining the universe, and it is the only way, because it was written by the creator of the universe. Just like a Lego box um, really isn't intended to be used any way, except for the way the instructions um, call it. So, God made the universe, he's the Lego box creator in this certain scenario and he has given us a list of instructions on how to use the universe given the bible isn't just a list of instructions it's also you know deeper than that but it definitely contains a lot of guidelines and how to use our universe as we know it and i think that's pretty pretty awesome that god not only put us on this earth but he gave us instructions and I mean, there is consequences if you don't follow the instructions. I mean, you may be able to put the Lego pieces in the wrong, you know, places for part of your life, but at the end of the day, you're never going to build the full structure if you don't follow the rules. And in the same way, if you don't build your life with the foundation of God's Word and the instructions that are in God's Word, you may be able to live for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but at the end of the day, when you look back at your life, it'll look like a weird Lego set that wasn't put together properly. Because you didn't have God in the equation, you didn't use his instructions. Yeah. It's a pretty cool thought. I, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's a, um, it's, it's almost a general consensus, or, or to some degree, like a natural conclusion that outflows from the idea of there being a, a divine consciousness behind everything that with the way that you live your life in this reality that there's some sort of consequence or cause and effect nature to what happens in the afterlife based on what you did in this reality and it's 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 kind of been stated in like a lot of different viewpoints and religions and um but it's uh it's kind of i feel like it's most clarified or uh expressed most sensibly in the in the biblical narrative where you are given this reality to enjoy and live in but like you said there are guidelines um that make sense and when you die you're faced with the effect of all the cause that you've uh, manifested in this world so everything you've done basically gets uh shown to you in the end yeah and, and it's quite a common belief in different cultures too which kind of makes me wonder the commonality of that thread is something to kind of be listened to and something that maybe is there for a reason because you know um as it says in the bible god revealed himself to different people in different ways before revealing himself in the end through his son right 
Right. So it's like these different cultures don't have the full understanding, but they might have a primitive hold. Um, primitive compared to the final revelation of Christ. Right, that's an interesting point. And like, it is interesting to note that even cultures that wouldn't call themselves Christians, like, and we've talked about this too in the past, like Buddhists, you know, um, even even like Hindus, like all, all the different, you know, cults and religions, whether they're rip-offs of Christianity or whether they're um, altogether different types of religions that are based more on works, they still have that, a lot of them, in fact, I think almost all of them, still have that effect of, you know, cause and effect where if you do something, something will happen. Yeah. You can't really live your life without that principle in mind because at the end of the day, if I kill someone, someone's going to get angry. Yeah. If I lie, something's going to get distorted in my life because I no longer have the same amount of trust with that person that I used to. If I steal, someone's going to miss something and something's going to happen. Like You see what I mean? There's, there's this whole cause and effect ratio that what you can put something into the equation, something will always come out. It's, it's interesting as well because it, it is almost like the rational end of, of the line of reasoning of just existence in general that if you even even in something like atheism, they they still have this kind of um, ironic perception of morality, where if you kill an animal, um, I, I think a lot of atheists would agree that there are some animals that you can, or at least I've heard this argument from atheists or agnostics, is that there's some animals like octopus or dolphins that you shouldn't kill and eat because of their level of intelligence. Some people believe that you shouldn't do that. And Interesting. It's, it's, it's like uh, there's this morality where if you are on equal or somewhat equal uh, playing field with another being, you don't deserve to take its life or decide when it, when it dies or mm. when its existence ends. And so even if you don't have a god in the equation, there's still kind of like this replacement for it that kind of acts as stabilization for like the human for human society in general they, they if there isn't a god there's this void and there's this need to create some sort of meaning and some sort of uh, ultimate authority and morality right. that people can get behind and uh, feel good about themselves for you know for, for being on the right path but I think it's also to some degree uh, God's nature reflecting in their existence they, they don't mm. even realize that these concepts come from his existence, but it's really like interesting. Point. People, there's even if they try and become hardcore naturalistic atheists, mm -hmm. um, they're still going to circle back to some of the same morals that are taught in the Bible, essentially. Yeah, and I think that kind of ties. Yeah, I think that kind of ties into the verse that talks about the law being written on their hearts. Exactly. I mean, the reality is that all of us were created by God. We were all created, um, you know, originally perfect through Adam, but since Adam sinned, all of us have been born in sin. Um, so we're all equally sinners, and it's only those who have been given faith um, in the in the Son through the Holy Spirit that have, you know, the full sense of morality, or at least as full as it can be in this life, um, given to them by the Holy Spirit 
enlightening their eyes and leading them in the truth as he says he will he'll guide you into all truth um that is something that like you said atheists and people who don't accept god they have a semblance of that like you said whether they like it or not the law is written on their hearts so they'll naturally imitate that way of thinking it's like if if if, if a like you know like someone someone who say say one of us could create an animal or something if or i guess a more better example would be you know how we raise our children um you know you look at the parents who raise their kids to you know do whatever they want you look at you go and you go shopping in the grocery store and you see someone who lets their kids do whatever they want they yell and scream and they give them the candy they give them the crayon they give them what, what they want just because they yelled and screamed and then you look at the parents who didn't give their kids everything they wanted they trained them they disciplined them they brought them up in the truth regardless of whether the kid liked it or not they went against the kid's will you look at the two different ways of their life and the way you train the kid will always reflect how you live yeah. and in the same similar way not exactly the same but in a similar way we're we're God's children and so even if we don't listen to him we still reflect the way that he is because we are imperfect you know images of God and so some of us reflect him more because of the Holy Spirit's interaction and some of us reflect him less because we haven't had the Holy Spirit in our lives exactly which is really interesting so yeah it's it's almost like we um, are mirrors of God, and it really depends on how fuzzy the mirror image is. On you know that that depends on whether we accept Christ into our life or not. Totally. And I think I mean this this is all good and well, but at the end of the day, the only way that we can have that mirror image of Christ and have the full um, essence of knowledge and wisdom and peace really is through accepting Christ in the way outlined in the word, i.e., you know, like, we are sinners, as we've kind of made very clear in this podcast so far. We need a savior. We can't do this ourselves. We we can't live up perfectly to the sense of morality that is instilled in us. But we need someone to cross the gap between the all-knowing, all-perfect God who does not tolerate sin and us who live in sin we are literally steeped in sin and that's where jesus comes in as you know the bridge the bridge across that cavern that cannot be crossed and so i think the point of you know really all that we've discussed is is that there there has to be someone who bridges that gap that that moral gap that sin gap and uh really brings us together in peace with god our creator it's, um, I had this thought the other day, I was talking to somebody about this, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's sometimes a little bit, like, there, I think there's a lot of, again, things in Christianity that people treat as nebulous, and we don't really know why it's the way it is, but we're just kind of told that, and there's, and then on the flip side, atheists look at it and go, well, that, that doesn't make any sense, you're just doing what you're told, um, I think the concept of Jesus makes sense. Um, I'm going to start with assuming a few things. Assuming that reality exists as a way to point to God, which 
makes sense in that, again, what we talked about, about everything coming down to math and that emanating from God's nature to some degree. Um, if everything is a waypoint to God and almost a test that leads back to God, and you have these conscious beings that are somewhat, at the same time, independent of that, then, you know, you'd, you'd need some sort of way to, um, to communicate what the purpose of this reality is. So just assuming that you have this God that emanates reality, and these sub-beings that are also emanated from God, but are somewhat existent, independent of God in terms of their consciousness. And you need the, the Godhead to convey its will to these beings, to us, essentially, and how to live life properly, and how to utilize this reality that we're put in. And if you have this being outside of time that exists somewhat apart from this reality, then you need to use somewhat of a relatable human means or a means that can exist inside this reality in order to communicate with humans. Mm. And so historically that's been prophets and priests and um, before that just people that sought after God and God revealed himself to you like with Abraham um, and, and Noah and uh, Job. But ultimately in order to fully reconcile people to the nature of God, to become fully like God, you need God to actually embody the human form and take on fully the aspects of human nature in order to make it fully understandable and endure the worst possible life and death in order to display the ability of God, God's nature, to sympathize with our existence in this reality. But at the same time, through the miracles that Christ performed, show the power of God over this reality, ultimately. So it's like Christ is essentially this perfect picture of this hero that exists as, an, as the full evidence of God being this bridge between the God reality, this incarnate nature of this God outside of time, made finite in a way that we can understand and relate to. Mm. and uh, ultimately see exemplified in the life of Christ. Um, That's very interesting, because, yeah. like, it, it's... I really agree with you, like, that, that there is, like, a like kind of a... I mentioned that, that need for the bridge. Like, we are humans, and, and we aren't on the same level as God. We, are, we don't know how to, you know, think like God. And so you're really very right. Like, we need... There needs to be someone who could bridge that gap, who can fulfill the you know the human essence and be like humans to illustrate to us how to be how you can be a perfect human and sorry how you can be perfect and a human and while we never can be that as you know we have fallen into sin we can still be um you know we can still look after that perfect human example and we can say, look, this is the example we have. This is God. This is God in human flesh who not only lived the human life with all the trials, with all the tribulations, and in fact with more tribulations than most people have, yep. and he still embodied perfection. Yep. So we can look up to that person and we can say, well, if he can do it, then we can strive 
to follow in his path. And I think we can do it through the power of God. Exactly. We because can that's that's what empowered the, the human person the human side of Jesus was the embodiment of God and it's it's almost like uh, I, I can't remember if I've used this example before in, in conversations about this with you, but I sort of see the human body and the human spirit as being two separate things, both equally important, um, but two separate things interacting with each other. And so it's almost like the human body is the glove that the human hand fits into. So it's that we live out this experience plugged into the human body, mm. and then we die that uh, link gets severed and we go back to the God dimension essentially That's, I think I see everything from yeah. the way it makes sense but and if you have the incarnation of God acting in place of a human spirit possessing a human body so it's instead of having a human spirit possessing a human body you have the full nature of God possessing a human body hmm. then you can have this example of what it's like to live the human experience with the incarnation of God and interestingly that's almost what the Holy Spirit could be seen as is when you accept that that call that God gives people the, the redemptive call you're accepting into your life the presence of God to live alongside the human spirit in your body and to guide your your intentions and your thoughts and your, your conscience and consciousness essentially so you're you're you could really see the word Christian played out because Christian means little Christ, right? Mm. And it's almost like we're many versions of that incarnation story when we when we choose to follow Christ and keep his commandments. We're choosing to live with the incarnation of God alongside the human spirit to teach us things about this life and to, to bring glory to him ultimately. Wow, that's a really interesting thought. There's a lot of deep, deep thoughts there. And I think I think that's a really good way of saying it, how the Holy Spirit comes in and embodies Christ in our hearts. I mean, just like he says, he will come. He will send his comforter to us, exactly. um, and he will be among us and lead us into all truth. I don't know if that's the exact verse, but that's kind of the message. And I think, I think it says something like that. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's referred to as like the helper, and I think maybe the teacher as well. It's the yeah, guide yeah. that that brings clarity to the Word of God. And exactly. Basically, brings focus to what we read in it, you know, and and um, but is there in the background for when we start to stray from the Word of God and remind us that we're doing the wrong thing. It's really interesting, and it's almost like it reminds me of um, that man who uh, who was it again? It was it was I think it was John, yeah. um, the apostle who who met with that man who was um, traveling, the, the Ethiopian eunuch, um, who was traveling towards, I think he was traveling from Jerusalem to Ethiopia, um, and he had, he was, he was, you know, trying to figure out God and, and the whole story and, and how to, you know, reconcile sinfulness, and, and I think he was just struggling with, in particular, Isaiah. Um, there was a, a particular passage in Isaiah he was struggling with. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was interesting yeah, because uh, in that I remember that one too. It's right. It, it was it was uh, the one that talks about um, who does it, who am I and who who sh- send me or it says who who shall go for us and here am I send me. I think that's the verse. Um, and so this this guy is trying to figure out Isaiah the deep prophecies of Isaiah, and this apostle I believe it was John. 
he comes up to him and he expounds the word and he and he she shows him what it means and in although they were both humans john had had the enlightened truth because he had the spirit in him so in the same way it's almost like um god sends his spirit into our hearts to show us the truth in kind of like the way that another christian would come along and show us what a verse means of course in a much fuller way as he's the spirit but it's still a very interesting depiction of reality and uh yeah, I just, I really, really think that's a, that's a great way of, of putting it that, you know, God needs to give us a link so that we can understand human perfection and, and he gives us an example through Jesus um, and through the Holy Spirit. Uh, so it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Totally. I think, just for clarification, I think it was, um, I think it was Philip. And I can't, yes. I can't remember, I, I feel like I should know this. I can't remember the, the relation to Philip and the rest of the apostles. If he was an original disciple or if he was a, a later convert. Yeah, Phil, Philip was... Yeah, no, you're totally right. I'm sorry I miss, 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 uh, said that with John. But you're right, it was definitely Philip. Um, and uh, we'd have to do some more research. We should know our Bibles better, as you can tell. But we're learning every day and reading the Bible. And, and it's, it's great to see these different concepts tie in to the concepts that we're discussing um so yeah i mean i think we're gonna leave it at that for this episode uh, we just actually hit some snow in this this little drive we're doing it's pretty pretty cool sure we can actually drive yeah exactly yeah. it's it's very beautiful out, but it's also dark because it's nighttime and and uh it's it's a pretty awesome time to be talking about god's amazing creation and how that ties into us as humans um so thanks a lot josh for being on the podcast for hosting ben. yeah it was it was great talking over some some pretty deep stuff here hopefully you guys listening were able to carry along and listen to our train of thought which may not always make sense at times but uh we're very thankful that you are listening and we hope you will keep listening through the next podcast yeah. so yeah take care guys have a good night and god bless